0: Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.
1: I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Greg Barnes, Ross Martin. First time we've had this podcast, guys, since football season, but we're nine games into North Carolina basketball, eight and one. Only blemished that loss to Michigan State after. What, 11-game road trip, basically, or 11-day road trip? Greg, I'll go to you first. Uh, Biggest surprise thus far for North Carolina, not named Luke May.
0: I think uh, Luke May's a big one, Tommy. We have to at least acknowledge Luke May, right?
1: We can certainly discuss him because uh, I think we might have made a wager about May earlier in the preseason podcast. I believe you may have said 10 rebounds a game, and I think Ross...
2: Oh, that yeah, was the crazy. old double-double bet. Yeah, I'm still sticking with, uh, I, don't think he'll, I don't think he'll average double-double. But yeah, I mean, he's definitely surprising, and I think Greg was definitely kind of hit the nail on the head with that one.
0: Well, the, the, uh, if you want to give me credit for the rebounding aspect, sure, I'll take it. But I don't think anybody thought that he would be the offensive firebrand that he's been. I mean, he. The we knew he could shoot you know, spot-up jumpers. We knew that he could clean up the glass, get garbage scores. Uh, but the way that he's taken the uh, the ball off the dribble, the way that he has expanded his post moves, his ability to knock down shots off of screens, I mean, he's like a different player. At this point, we're nine games in, and we can say, well, it's kind of what he's done. But he's just been incredible. He, he's second in the ACC in both rebounding and points, Tommy, behind Marvin Bagley, who's probably going to be the number one pick in the NBA draft next year.
2: Does Luke make become an NBA player? I mean, is he that good? It's kind of weird to think about.
0: Yeah. You know, the, the funny thing with that Ross is I think skill set wise, he's got, he's got enough game to be able to do it. I think the issue for him is that he's six, eight, he is a stretch four, but he's not a, a incredibly athletic stretch four. But I mean, you know, there there's guys that have been able to make it, but the fact that we're even having that discussion, I think speaks to the the strides that he's made. And if he keeps working at it, you know who knows.
1: Well, I think talking about the NBA thing, and I think the Michigan State game is what right. gives me pause for his NBA outlook, yep. uh, Ross. And that, and that's quite frankly, going into the season, I thought he would have more problems with bigs. Now, Carolina hadn't played a ton of big men that are overly athletic, but Michigan State game and Ross, you know. Your thoughts on that. I mean, that is the issue with Luke May. Don't get me wrong. The kid has been unbelievable this year. He like you said, Greg, he's a different player, twenty and ten. If he shot free throws a little bit better, that'd be twenty two and a half or twenty one and a half and ten. But yeah, that that's my pause on the NBA aspect
2: of it, but he's certainly been, you know, flat out great for North Carolina thus far, Ross. Yeah, I mean he's gonna be limited because of his height, but you know, we'd be kind of knocking him for that. Ever since he got here as an undersized big man, and I think yeah he did struggle against some longer guys and for Michigan State, and that's gonna be the issue the next level and against teams like Duke. But uh, I've been kind of impressed with his athleticism. You know, he he's obviously one of the most in shape players UNC has in terms of endurance. He's fast enough to run down the floor and get buckets. He's got a little quick you know step. He can he can, he can get past the guy off the dribble, which I don't think we saw that that type of his game until this year. And that's reassuring for UNC fans. And so that's been kind of surprising for me. Just, um, I mean, we've mentioned it before, but just his versatility offensively because he can step out. Players have to respect him. And then he can, he can get past somebody, and he, he's good. He's got that high IQ where he kind of knows where to move to, to catch passes from you know, Barry or Pinson or, or Jaleek Felton. And that aspect of his game is strong. So he, down low, he's given good opportunities to, to score easy and that's helped him get easy baskets uh, in the paint as well. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's just amazing, his scoring right now. And you got to think it slows down a little bit in ACC play, but what he's done already, you see those graphics on Twitter, you know, comparing him to Antoine Damison's Antoine early starts and Tyler Hansborough's early starts and just the just the double-double stats are, are incredible. But um, I mean, to get back to your original question, to, to, to move away from Luke May, uh, what's been so surprising yeah, I for me? You know, I, think-
0: I completely sidetracked Tommy's. Entire yeah, question. I know.
2: I yeah. know. We'll say it's called it's flexibility, like, right? Anything but Luke May, and we spent five minutes talking about Luke May. Uh, I think, I mean, this is something small, but I think it's worthy to, to talk about. Is I think Andrew Platic has been getting a lot more minutes than I thought, and maybe that's because Cameron Johnson's hasn't played yet. But Andrew Platic has played and he's contributed and he's been able to score in, in a couple of different ways. Uh, Roy talks about his his defense, and it seems like he's not lost out there, and he's obviously getting confidence. He Had that uh, pretty good game out there. I think it was against Portland uh, in that first game out there in the PK80. And I didn't expect him to be ready to contribute, given Brandon Robinson and, and Kenny Williams and Theo Penson, and of course Cameron Johnson. I didn't think he'd have time to come in, but but Roy seems to trust him, and he's he's produced. You know, he's knocked out some shots. He's he's made some sharp passes. He's got some rebounds, and he scored inside a little bit as well. And it looks like he's gonna be a guy that's gonna be a you know three probably a four year player and he's going to be a guy that's going to score for UNC and be a trusted shooting guard for the next four years, and and even this year, he's, he's giving UNC something, and that's surprising to me, having covered his recruitment and just seeing his rankings, and it also goes back to just the fact that rankings don't mean everything when it comes to guys that are ranked outside the 100, because they can be, look at Kenny Williams and Luke May, they can be good regardless of that number. Greg, talking about
1: play tech, I mean, I, I think Ross is right. He plays – he's getting a lot of minutes because Cameron Johnson's out. But, yeah, he knows what to do. He's a little limited as well, but he plays – Roy Williams loves guys like that, doesn't he, Greg? I mean, we've seen guys that play like Playtech have played major minutes for Roy Williams across, you know, Kansas and North Carolina.
0: Yeah, I kind of equate him to a Bobby Frazier, Marcus Ginyard type. Marcus, of course, is a little bit bigger, but just very heady guys – They know where to be. They can play tough defense. They can knock down some shots. And uh, as much as people love, you know, the top five, top ten guys, the uber-athletic, you know, guys that can potentially go pro after the first year, I just love that type of player that you look at him, like Ross said. You know he's going to be a four-year guy. But you can see right now, he's so young, but he's got a savviness about him, Uh, a very kind of cool, calm demeanor. The the moment hasn't been too big for him. And you get to see, you know, two years as he's a junior, he may not be starting at guard, but he's going to be getting a lot of minutes. And he's the kind of guy that just gives you a lot of quality veteran leadership. uh, And we know how important that can be. So, yeah, definitely the kind of guy that that Roy likes. And I, I find it interesting that Roy has brought up several times now that Playtech is the kid that another coach said, Roy, why are you offering this kid a scholarship? And Roy's response was, he didn't have to play for you. He has to play for me. And so, you know, when you add in a Kenny Williams and a Luke May, uh, I think it's just kind of tremendous what what Roy has been able to, to do over the years in finding these kind of guys. He kind of blends these teams together quite nicely. But I'll kind of continue on with what Ross is saying. I mean, play tech has looked good. If you look over the course of the season thus far, I mean, there's been games where we've said, wow, Sterling Manley, he's got a lot of potential. and We saw it Sunday, you know, Brandon Huffman. Wow, if he plays like that, he can see serious minutes. Garrison Brooks, I think, is the most polished. He probably doesn't have the most potential of the three, but he's polished at this point. He's playing better defense. Um, And so you look at that trio of freshmen, you're saying, okay, these are guys you can work with. And the funny thing about that, is we have talked about four of the freshmen, we hadn't said a word about Jalik Felton, and he's the stud of the class. So uh, I think this this team is only going to get better as the year progresses. But when you add in what that freshman class brings, and then you talk about you know Luke May what he's done, as well as some of the other veterans, and you can kind of see how North Carolina's in good position right now.
2: Well, let me. Add, that's about Jalique real quick. You know we talked about Jalique today at the press conference with Roy Williams. And uh Roy was talking about him a lot and we kind of asked him some, some questions about him. You know, he said he's more skilled than his uncle, Raymond Felton, and that that's going to come. And, and he believes it's going to happen, if not this year, then then next year. And so just think about that potential that he has the ability to, to be a really, really good player. And that could come, you know, maybe in January or February when they need, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes from point guard because of foul trouble or because of something else. And just knowing that, I mean, Roy thinks very, very highly of Jalik Felton and what he can be has got to be really good for this team. Uh, if not this year uh, in some flashes, then definitely next year when I think Felton will probably be the starting point guard for the 2018-19 season. He may be more
1: from a purely skill standpoint better than his uncle, but Raymond Felton had that fire that felt uh, Jalik Felton hadn't shown yet. If he gets it, I mean... Then as then we, we then we're talking. I mean, then yeah, you got a guy like Joel Berry that's got the the he'll get in your face, he'll play you hard, and he's got the skill level. Felton could be special if he could pair that up with his uncles.
2: Yeah, Roy's quote was that you know Felton Raymond Felton's was tougher and a better shooter and kind of had that it factor, and and Jaleek just like has the has that kind of um, skill or gift gifted is what Roy said. So he thinks that Jalique you know has that potential to be be pretty special. Greg, let's talk about Kenny Williams. I mean, he
1: looks like a different player to me now. I know he was hurt last year, but he didn't show anywhere near the flash last year that he has this this season. I mean, it's similar to Luke May's progression, I think. Not as drastic, maybe, but Kenny Williams. I mean, shooting fifty-two percent from the field and what fifty-two percent from the three-point line. I mean, that's huge for this North Carolina team, especially when. Barry has struggled at times from behind the arc, but Kenny Williams would probably be my surprise.
0: Yeah, I don't know that I would. I would agree that his game has really changed. But I, but I think what you're seeing is you're seeing that confidence level. I mean, he is he's he said it. You know, he's playing at an incredibly high level in terms of confidence, uh, the highest confidence that he's he's ever had. And where that really comes out is a three point shot, because we've seen the defensive effort before. We've seen the hustle plays. And we've seen that dating back to his freshman year. What was missing was that offensive component. Could he make a layup and transition? Sure. But what was he giving you? How was he standing out? Well, now it's because he's knocking down threes. So we're talking about a kid that is the best defender on the team. He kind of drives the energy on the team. And I think Barry plays a big role in that as well. But now he's knocking down threes. I mean, so you've got a kid, as you mentioned, shooting over 50% from three, which it does help with, with Joel struggling at times. But more importantly, it fills the gap with, with Cameron Johnson. Because if Kenny's not making those threes, not only is Joel, you know, have some games where he struggles, but everybody's going to be centering and focusing on, on Joel because at that point, it's pretty much your only three point shot outside of you know Luke May giving you a couple here or there. But with Kenny being able to make some shots, now all of a sudden, you've got a couple guys that can knock down some threes, And when Cameron Johnson comes back, uh, you know, good luck defending all those guys. They're going to get plenty of open looks. And so I still think the most important thing he brings to the table is defense, just like I think the most important thing Luke May brings to the table is his rebounding. The fact that those guys have, have improved and expanded their offensive games a little bit, um, you know, Luke, uh, a lot more than, than Kenny. Um, I think that's just uh, you know, explains why this team is operating at such a high level on the offensive end of the floor.
1: You're listening to the Inside Carolina Radio Show. We'll be right back after these messages.
2: Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do
0: ors. We do ands. The Renault Cajar with 1.91% APR and 1,000 euro cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie.
1: Ross, I think if I read the PC updates correctly, you had an interesting exchange with Roy Williams about Theo Pinson. And I tweeted something early in the season. As he's one of the, uh, something to the effect, that he's the most maddening, likable player carolina's had in quite a while i mean he still does things that drive coach william nuts but he stopped shooting threes the last couple of nights that they've played your your thoughts on the way theo sort of progressed even during this season
2: yeah i'm actually going to write about this tomorrow i almost asked roy is like do you just not want him to shoot like can you just set that rule where he just doesn't shoot threes i mean that would make this team better i think and the last two games, he hasn't shot any threes, and he's he recognizes that that his game is not an outside shooter. It's getting into the lane, drawing defense, and then either kicking the ball out to, to a shooter or, or finding someone down low with a little hook pass or, or dishing off or just taking it strong and getting fouled. That's his game to create things, to create confusion in the, in the paint and score that way. Um, there's too many, Roy said it today, there's too many good shooters on his team for a guy shooting two of 20 to be jacking up threes uh, he said he's confident with his shot, but I don't really know how you are. The whole, you know, the whole stadium kind of cringes. It's kind of that Jackie Manuel rule. I know a lot of fans had like the no jump shot rule. I think Dexter Strickland kind of was in that mold as well. But I mean, Theo's a smart kid. I mean, he knows he knows where his strengths are, and it, it seems like he's coming around to it this year. Um, I think Roy's in his head about the fact that they have so many shooters. He doesn't need to be that guy. They have Joel Berry, Kenny Williams, Platek, and Luke May, uh, and even Brand Robinson and some other guys. And when Cameron Johnson comes back as well, they don't they don't need him um, shooting threes because he's so good inside. I think his strength at uh, at six six, you know, pushing two thirty, kind of that linebacker size is great for what he does because he's probably stronger than any guard that guards him, and he's quicker than any you know stretch four or uh, a small four that tries to guard him. So. Yeah, I, mean, I, think he's been a, I think he's been a great player. Him and, and Kenny Williams complement each other really well, and I've been impressed with both those guys and how they've kind of evolved this year and kind of stepped into more prominent roles because I think going into the season, the idea was that Theo Pinson had to step up on offense and Kenny Williams had to step, on, step up on offense and be a, a more productive player in, in, in multiple ways, and I think both have done that. And um, in the Davidson game, Theo Pinson driving in twice was, was really impressive, and kind of abandoning that jump shot I think is good for this team. Greg, talk about
1: sort of the evolution of these players specifically. I mean, you know, with the one and done deal, like up the road in Durham, I mean, you don't see guys develop very much because they're there today, gone tomorrow. But Roy Williams is, he's gotten knocked for his recruiting the last several years, but it has allowed him to develop players in the way that he wants them to be, which is, you know, to play his style of basketball, and it's it's happening again this year. We've seen the results: the national championship last year, the championship game the year before, and this team sort of. If if Roy Williams could mold every team he ever had the way he wanted them, it, I think they would look a lot like this team, or just like this team. Your thoughts?
0: Yeah, and I think it I think it kind of plays out not only over the course of a career, but also over the course of a season. I mean, what other team? In, in the ACC or really in the country are guys like you know, Huffman and Andrew Playtech uh, and Seventh Woods getting a lot of minutes. I mean, you know, Felton's averaging 12 minutes a game. Playtech's averaging 11 minutes a game. Woods, when he's plays, is averaging 11 minutes a game. I mean, that's a fourth of the game these guys are playing. As Steve Robinson said on the radio show the other night, you don't know what you have with these kids until they play. You can watch them in practice all you want, but you got to get them on the court and you got to get them practicing and playing what you're teaching them in practice. And so what happens is by the end of the season, you know what you've got with them. And if they have to come in and play, well, guess what? They've played before. So it's not that big of a, a jump for them to play ACC ball when they're already playing you know, in, in the non-conference. And what Roy Williams does, even when you get an ACC play, he plays a lot of kids in the first half. Why? Because anybody that he thinks he may need in the second half, he wants to make sure they've got their feet wet. And so it's very simplistic. But then you go to the thing with the timeouts. And, you know, we've talked about timeouts for, for years, 15 years, in fact, since Roy came back. Well, he teaches these kids how to play the way he wants them to play in practice. And so when they get into games, if he doesn't trust them, to do what he wants them to do, and he has to call a timeout and baby them, then you kind of lose in what you're what you're trying to get across in practice. And so, by not calling timeout and by making these kids learn to fight through that stuff, it, it makes them get better, and they have to kind of deal with these things on their own. And so, over the course of a year, they get better, and then over the course of four years, they get a lot better. Um, and so, there's that, which is a big part of it. But then you have, you know, just the, the style of play. And it, when I sat down with Roy last month, one thing he said was, you know, Michael Jordan always kind of got frustrated when people said that, you know, Dean Smith was the only person that could hold him under 20 points. Because Michael was like, look, I may not have averaged that many points, but I learned all the fundamentals of the game when I was in Chapel Hill. And because I had that foundation, I could blossom when I got to the pros because there wasn't anything I was lacking. Um, and so I, all of that goes hand in hand, and that's that's one of the reasons that not only does North Carolina always, always, always play its best ball at the end of the year under Roy Williams, but it's why so many of these kids continue better and are better players by the time they, they leave Chapel Hill.
2: And I think to add to that, I think Sterling Manley is going to benefit from that a lot. He's getting some good minutes here early. They're going to need him in March and February, and and he's shown that he can do some stuff for this team. He can block some shots, he can get a lot of rebounds, and he can score a little bit, and he's only going to get better because he needs all the time he can get, you know, because he didn't play too much in high school. And he's a guy who I think can be pretty good for UNC, you know, as a sophomore and junior because he's so so long. You see that length and see that size, and he's just going you know, getting more comfortable each each game. And he is he's a good kid with a good personality that's going to. He's going to work to get better. I think, um, you know, to to, to what Greg said, I mean, that experience is just so valuable for him now moving forward into ACC uh, at play in 2018.
1: Ross, watching these guys in high school or, or following the recruiting, did you expect to see, you know, the three centers and we kind of lump them together and I'm going to now they're averaging what? 13 or 14, maybe 15, and 7 or 8, 9, 10 rebounds. I mean, did you expect to see that from those three guys as sort of a group effort this season, or did you think it would be more of a work in progress than it is?
2: That's a good question. I mean, I didn't really know what to expect because there was just not much tape on these guys, and Sterling Manley was a late commit, and Brand Huffman was this, this big guy who just dunked a bunch. You didn't really know what he would do against bigger competition. You could tell that Grayson Brooks was talented and had some and So it was no surprise that he started. I mean, I think that what they're contributing now is kind of what you expected. I just think Sterling Manley's is farther ahead than I thought he'd be. That story about him breaking both his legs uh, at some point in his junior year and just missing tons of time. That's why he was so under-recruited. So I think he, he, it's a testament to what he's done. Um, I thought, I mean, I think, uh, I thought Huffman would be a little bit better, but he's obviously a little bit farther behind the other two guys. And... Yeah, and I think it's pretty close to what I expected in terms of Roy really going from two bigs to, to a four wing lineup, uh, the four in, four, four out, one in lineup. We're seeing that a pretty good amount with Theo Pinson at the four. So that's kind of along the lines of what we thought entering the season. But um, yeah, I think it's pretty pretty close to what I thought. And I think they'll just get better and better. And um, yeah, I'd like to see a little more offense out of Brooks. I think I think he has some talent to to do some things down low, but he is still young. It's important to realize that these guys are are 18 years old playing college basketball greg
1: ross mentioned it there and dewey talked about it on our last podcast the sort of the flexibility that roy williams has shown this year uh, clearly carolina was going to have to play plenty of small ball you know with the center factor being unknown but dewey come commented about the more of the four out one in above the foul line offense uh, the pull to defense up there and the flex offense does that surprise you to see that you know, Roy takes that tact, or did you expect him to sort of evolve his way of coaching to fit his players rather than vice versa? Cause it seems like he's been more flexible this year maybe than he ever has, no matter what the talent or the personnel situation has been.
0: Yeah. I mean, he has, he has in recent years had to be more versatile. You know, it used to be that, whenever we would see them switch on screens in the Duke game, and be like, whoa, this is some big deal. He's actually changing things up. But in, in recent years, he has changed some things uh, with how he approaches it. But I think the fact that you have a guy like Luke May, who is you know, a legitimate stretch four, that all of a sudden he can do some of these things. He can do the, the four out, one end type deal, because you, teams have to defend Luke when he's behind the three-point line. And that really allows you to do a lot of different things. It, it helps the, the bigs, especially the young guys, you know, when they're down on the block. Um, and so, I mean, we're talking about a Hall of Fame coach. So I don't think it should surprise us that he's willing to make changes to his personnel. You know, when he's making kind of wholesale changes with with running different offensive sets, uh, maybe that's a little bit surprising. But, you know, I, I, I don't know that I would say that. I'm, I'm totally surprised that he's – He's switched things up to really help his team. He's just in a situation now where he's got uh, you know, a guy like Luke May, who he really hasn't had many like that during his time in Chapel Hill. And when Luke's a guy that you have to play and you want to play, and you have so many young guys uh, really there at the five, uh, you've got to be able to take advantage of that. I mean, if you're just going to go with your traditional high-low sets, uh, you kind of limit what, what makes Luke Luke. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, you give him credit for, for acknowledging and seeing what Luke can bring to the table and, and maximizing it because I mean, clearly you know, he's, he's averaging 21 and 11. So it's, it's uh, working.
1: Ross, last question before we close the podcast, anything that you have not seen other than Cam Johnson that you thought you might see this year?
2: Uh, I mean, I think, I think one thing that we haven't seen too much, but we've seen a little bit, it's a two-point guard lineup. <clears throat> we thought a little bit against, um, what was it, uh, Michigan with 7th Woods and Joel Berry. But that's the only time it really stood out to me because it worked really well. Um, with 7th Woods out now, it was kind of the news of the day on Tuesday. Um, who knows how much they'll use it. But I was uh, I was kind of excited to see Joel Berry at the two and then Jalik Feltner, 7th Woods at the one and kind of that speed package and just really get out and running and getting that transition and secondary break flowing. Um, I thought they would use that more. I don't know if that's because of the slower development of Seventh Woods and Jaleek Felton or just the, the fact that they have so many other good shooting guards that they want to use Joel Berry at the one. But I thought I'd see more of that, and that's something I, I guess I want to see because um, I think that could be a, very useful for UNC, and, and especially next year when they bring in Kobe White and uh, and Leaky Black, two guys that can handle the ball and, and be additional kind of you know point guards slash two guards, combo guards type players um, that will definitely be interesting to see because I think that plays in the hand of what Roy likes to do to get out and run and and have your ball handlers um, have two ball handlers on the court at the same time good stuff
1: guys I, I think we'll do this weekly we, we talked a little bit about it so let's get back together next Tuesday and dig into it a little bit further that'll do it for this one though but Ross and Greg I appreciate you joining me thanks Tommy appreciate it, Tommy
0: thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.